1: healthcare now paid for by integrated physician network this program was recorded to air at this time healthcare premiums through the roof so much to think about when it comes to healthcare who do you talk to where do you go next well we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world welcome to healthcare now with host marchea larry jones and from orlando medical news john kelly and now let's head into the healthcare now studios Good morning and welcome back to Healthcare Now, Central Florida's fastest growing healthcare talk radio show. I'm John Kelly, the publisher of the Orlando Medical News. My co-host and your health care advocates are Mark Chad, MD. Dr. Mark is a pediatric surgeon and has practiced medicine in Central Florida since nineteen ninety seven. He is president of Pediatric Surgery PA, and he is chairman and co founder of of the Integrated Independent Physicians Network. Larry Jones is the Executive Director of the Integrated Independent Physicians Network and CEO of Independent Healthcare Partners, headquartered in Maitland, Florida. The IPA, known as IPN, is a 1,000-physician, multi-specialty, physician network throughout 12 counties in Central Florida. Its core mission is providing tools, and programs allowing physicians to compete in today's healthcare environment. Larry has worked on both the payer and provider side of healthcare. He understands healthcare, its challenges, and its opportunities. Good morning, Larry. Good morning,
2: John. Good, good morning, Dr. Mark. Good morning, gentlemen. It's a beautiful morning. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into our discussion, I wanted to just bring to light that this past Sunday, the headline of the Orlando Sentinel, They Always Choose. A Central Floridian of the Year and I thought it couldn't have been more appropriate that all healthcare workers in Central Florida were chosen as Central Floridian of the Year and that includes you Dr. Mark. Congratulations.
3: Oh. Now I tell you it's it's great to recognize the people have been really working hard. I mean some of us have had a good fortune and, and and as much as I'm always going to be there to help but boy the the doctors and nurses that are in the emergency rooms and the ICUs and all the testing centers are just Putting in incredible hours, and you know, with that, a lot, a lot of stress. Uh, I think that they hear the appreciation, but you know, I think as uh, if the listeners just kind of think about the uh, stress that those healthcare workers are under, and and give them uh, some positive words and thoughts and prayers, that they'll go a long way.
2: Right? Amen. Well, you know, the sacrifice, <clears throat> the uh, the determination of our and the and the commitment of our healthcare workers is bar none during this last year. No, it is, and it's just incredible.
3: Yep. No, it's been fantastic, and I think the the frustration has been the politics of of getting in the way or taking the limelight of what all these all these folks it are definitely doing. Definitely has, yeah. and uh, that that that's kind of frustrating. As is, I think what we're going to talk about a lot today the the money trail. I mean, just the enormous right. dollars that we're talking about in healthcare expenditure, not just for COVID nineteen, but just year after year. You know, I mean, right. I know we we talk about this a lot offline, and we I do. think it's uh, probably one of the driving factors of the show is to understand what predicament America is in with the dollars that we're spending yeah. and where it's going. Yeah.
2: Well, it's all about educating our. Central Floridians to be educated healthcare consumers. Absolutely. And let me just throw one right out here to just jump right into this cost segment. Please. NBC last week announced that there was a man who was hospitalized with COVID 19 for 62 days. And when he got home, he had a $1.1 million medical bill in the mail. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's over $18,000 a day. Man. Dr. Mark, what could cost $18,000 a day?
3: You know, billing in the medical world is some of the most bizarre and ridiculous things you'll ever see because we are all used to getting services. You know, we pay for our phones and our cable services. And it always cracks me up when the, mm-hmm. when the on TV, again, won't, won't mention until they become sponsors, but they come in and say, and no hidden fees. I mean, you know, the hidden fees there are this tax or that. I mean, talking about hidden fees in healthcare. Exactly. Now, I, I will say, and we've talked about this before, is what they charge isn't what they get. And that's not an excuse. That's just an observation. Because right. the next question is then why did they charge what they charge if they know they're not going to get it?
2: Exactly. Well, you know, healthcare hit $4 trillion in 2020, which was about a point. Uh, 5% increase over the previous year of about 5%. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know, it's predicted that healthcare spending by 2040 will be over $8 trillion. Okay. And they also indicate that 60% of that will go to improving health and well-being. Dr. Mark, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Are we providing sick care today or health care today? Oh we're,
3: oh, we're definitely providing sick care. Yeah. I mean, Talk I think, about that a little bit. Yeah, I think we've been providing sick care since the beginning of, of what we know as modern medicine. Um, and there not that there aren't just lots and lots and lots of proponents of well care. And, and I would say since the uh, mid to late 80s, there's been a very active discussion about preventative medicine. And so, you know, the first in the in the 80s and 90s was this discussion of we need to be doing this. And the next discussion was, well, wait, who's going to pay for that? And over the years, it's absolutely been budgeted for that that to happen. I don't know what the percentage is now. I mean, if we're looking at, at 2040, which is kind of a crazy, crazy year to even think about. in, in here in 2020. Right. But if they're saying 60 percent is going to go. Towards, towards preventative. Towards well-being yeah, and well preventative. Being. Yeah. So I wonder, I, mean, I can't, I, I'd venture to guess that right now we're in the single digits.
2: It's less than 20%. Oh, yes.
3: Yeah, without a doubt. Oh, no, yeah. yeah it, but.
2: There, w- there was there a, uh, was a report done by a company called Alterum. And Alterum is a nonprofit research and consulting organization that serves different government health in- insurers, uh, health foundations, and other nonprofits. Mm-hmm. And they indicated that between 20... 20- 2005, and 2018, healthcare increased 29%, but they also indicated that hospitals increased 36% in inpatient cost, while inpatient physician services only increased in reimbursement by 15%.
3: Right. So they're talking about the increased prices and, and not just billing here. So, So in these cases, we're talking about dollars that were actually spent and looking at that incredible increase, but more importantly where it's increasing right and, and we've we've touched on this kind of gently in the past because n- i would say all of our listeners understand two things very clearly one our health care budget per year at four trillion dollars is an enormous enormous strain on the economy Actually, it
2: would be the seventh largest economy in the world in the world. just just for our health care healthcare. Yes, yeah. right
3: yeah. <laughs> and and so with that that Part and the other thing I think we all understand is it's getting larger, not smaller, right? But what we don't understand as a general rule is where the money is going. And you know, when I talk to all my friends, and this isn't the doctor soapbox here, but I talk to my friends, and we we kind of tongue in cheek say, well, you know, the it it's the you know the price of of delivering healthcare is going up at least five percent a year. What was your your raise over the last 10 years, because at 5% exactly. a year over the last 10 years, we should be doing awfully well. Sure. And there are no raises. That's right. And okay. In fact, it's
2: going the other way.
3: It's going the other way. There Particularly have been for
2: physicians. Right.
3: Absolutely. Both I mean, inpatient and outpatient. I mean, we've fought very long and hard for a 2% Medicare increase. Um, it took took years and it's still, there's a lot of quid pro quos to get to it, but nobody's getting, nobody's getting a raise. But now we're looking at hospital prices, and, and I'm, I'm going to take that out to collections, increasing 36%. Right.
1: But, Dr. Mark, these uh, exorbitant bills, the hospital isn't being looked at as a villain. It's yep. always a physician.
3: Right. Well it's, well, it's kind of like you say, Like <laughs> you could be a really great physician, but if your staff and front desk aren't kind and helpful, you're going to look bad. And so, you know, the, the, the doctors are kind of the, the intro for our consumers to healthcare.
2: Well, let me throw something else out here because I know we're talking about inpatient hospital. Insure negotiated hospital pricing grew 42%, while physician negotiated pricing in the hospital only grew 18%. Now, that's in the hospital. Let's take it to the outpatient arena mm-hmm. where the margins are even greater. Hospital based outpatient care was negotiated at a 25% increase, physicians grew only 6%. Yeah.
3: And I mean, to me, not a surprise, but John, to your point, to our listeners, you would think that it's all coming. And, and to be fair, like we're the ones that bring the client into the system. So if they don't come see us, they don't end out in the hospital. And that includes if they walk into the ER, they're seeing ER physicians and, and providers. So that's that's who you see. So if, if they come see an ER doctor, and then they go home two weeks later and they get that kind of bill, who do they have in mind, right? They, have they, do you think they ever meet the hospital administration?
1: Absolutely not. And, you know, recognizing the fact that uh, earlier this week, UCF um, opened a new teaching hospital out in Lake Nona. Correct. Uh, I look at this next generation of physicians, and I, I talk to them, especially these young residents they are never going to make the kind of money that uh, the generation before made.
3: No, they're not. And and I, I think, you know, there have been some big jumps in that change. And I can tell you that when I was in medical school, uh, getting into my residency, there was a, a huge change. I mean, the cardiothoracic surgeons got kind of crushed. And the idea was, geez, you know, people's, that, that made the news. And people are saying, well, gee, why do you even want to go into medicine? Fortunately, most of the people that go into medicine are doing it because they love taking care of people. And my daughter's a fourth year med student at university of Pennsylvania. And so she's going to start her fellowship. I'm sorry, her residency here, uh, uh, later this year. And your statement doesn't really bother her. And I'll tell you why, (laughs) because right now she's not making the money of the person who was working 10 years ago. Right. So, so she is going to readjust to that. But, but that's just another excuse we use. Does, is it fair? Is it right? Is it the way we should do things? I'd, I'd have to say no.
1: I want to um, emphasize that this conversation exists for our audience. Every Saturday after this show ends, I receive emails or phone calls. Please, we have two lines open, 407-701-7424, or email healthcare now at orlandomedicalnews.com. We'll be right back.
4: Orlando Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at OrlandoMedicalNews.com or give us a call at 407-701-7424.
0: COVID-19 impacting your practice? Patients visits down, elective procedures pushed out, Rx2Live provides a turnkey solution. Chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, medication management, behavioral health screenings. Interested? rxtolive.com. Better yet, call John Fogarty, 609 605 6859. 609 605 6859.
5: Mark Chayot, MD. Practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical technology and education, accepting all major insurance. 407 228 or 774 or visit OrlandoPediatricSurgery.com. Looking for affordable or professional video, differentiating your business
6: from competitors, brand, improving online presence about me or professional videos. SakataFilms.com 407-860-3035.
4: The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with
7: us, ipnetworkflorida.com. Concerned about COVID-19, MRSA, Candida, C. diff, and more? Healthcare systems across the U.S. trust CURIS disinfection systems to protect patients and staff. Cures delivers high-level disinfection products for hospitals, surgical centers, clinics, physicians' offices, and dental suites. CURIS means disinfection. Go to CURISystem.com, C-U-R-I-S-S-Y-S-T-E-M, or 1-800-928-8708.
1: Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. Larry, you have a special guest today. Would you please
2: introduce her? Yes, uh, we are pleased to have you on the show this morning. Dr. Uh, Melissa Verdi, who is a podiatrist in Longwood. Dr. Verdi received her Bachelor of Science degree at UCF, so she's a local girl. And we love to see our physicians come from our local. Uh, educational facilities, and, and her post-baccalaureate degree from the University of Texas at Dallas. She attended Dr. Scholl College of Podiatric Medicine in Chicago, Illinois, uh, and a, a, where she achieved her doctorate. And completing her training, Dr. Verdi performed a two-year surgical residency at Larkin Community Hospital in South Miami. So welcome, Dr. Verdi. How are you this morning?
8: Hi, Larry. I'm doing well. How about
2: you? Doing great. You know, I noticed in your uh, uh, online, you know, physicians are rated regularly by so many different patients that they see, and I saw that you had one of the highest combined scores of any physician in your specialty. You had a 96% of your patients gave you a five-star rating. (laughs) What do you attribute that to? That's incredible.
8: Yeah, that's really great, and I'm really proud of it. Um, you know, I really do try to take time with each patient and get them, you know, kind of talking about themselves and get to know them personally, and then that way I can kind of gear their treatment towards what their lifestyle is. And so I think by trying to make it a little more personal, they feel like I'm not just treating a problem, but I'm treating the whole person. So, and then I also have really great support staff, so that really helps a lot.
3: Now, that's very important, this is Dr. Mark. Here, now, I think the support staff is a huge part of it too. I mean, we're definitely we have a team that we're running there, and I don't think I had that higher rating when I had like two people on there that that were related <laughs> to me. But that's uh, that's pretty great. <laughs> so, for our listeners, could you take a minute just to tell us exactly what? your practice is, what podiatry is in, in general, just in case they're not familiar?
8: Yeah, absolutely. So I am a solo practitioner in Longwood. I practice podiatry, which is a focus of medicine that specifically treats the leg and the foot and the ankle. And um, we're a branch of medicine that you know, we treat all ages, children, teenagers, adults, geriatrics, also um, athletes. And so it encompasses really like diagnosis and conservative and surgical treatment of um, anatomical structures of the foot, functionality, and um, disease processes that can manifest in the foot.
3: And again, so, for, um, yeah, mm-hmm. for just some of the, the highlights of the importance of foot care, and I think, you know, some of our our Listeners that have uh, family members or themselves that have diabetes, that's an area, but I know it's much more broad than that.
8: Oh, definitely. So, of course, we see a lot of diabetics, but really kind of all ranges um, and each anatomical structure. So, skin, nerves, circulation, um, bones, and tendons. So, we spend um, a good portion of our training not only learning about medicine and metabolic problems but also you know surgical treatment of the foot.
2: Yeah Dr. Verde what what do foot issues tell us about our overall physical health?
8: Well it's very important of course. Of course I would say that it's important (laughs) since that's what I specifically trained in. But um, you know for some people they come in for cosmetic reasons. They don't like the appearance of something on their foot But many times it's really something that could be a deformity or an infection, malalignment or imbalance of the structures in the foot. And, you know, it can be functionally disabling where they can't work or do the activities they enjoy. Um, Certain metabolic problems also will manifest themselves in the foot, such as like gout or rheumatoid arthritis. Um, Diabetics, in particular, tend to. To have a lot of problems in the feet, so you know, again, looking not only at the foot but as a whole.
3: Right. What are like the most common issues? Number one and number two. Some of your special interests that that you actually like to focus on.
8: So I mainly do outpatient surgery, and I focus on um, treating things here in my office. I also do some surgery. So I do like to see a lot of sports and um, athletes, so overuse injuries like plantar fasciitis or heel pain, bone spurs are a really common thing, um, bunions and hammer toes, also things like fungus infections or nail problems.
1: Dr. Bertie, it's John. Um, question. You said you work with a, a lot of athletes. Um, yeah. Specific to high school athletes, basketball players, do you see a lot of um, structural issues that cause these kids to uh, have repeated uh, ankle twists and get to third-degree ankle injuries?
8: So I usually tell my patients, people who have low arch feet have a certain set of problems. People with a high arch feet have a different set of problems. But luckily for me, everybody has foot problems.
7: <laughs> right. <laughs> As opposed <laughs> yeah.
8: yeah, to, right. um, Athletes, of course, because they're doing more and testing their bodies a little bit more, they're you know also going to have problems like ankle sprains or contusions, things that drop on their feet, um, overuse injuries. So for a high school athlete, of course, shoe gear is a really important thing, possibly arch support if they have an injury, making sure they're completely healed before they return to their sport. You know, those are things mm-hmm. that I focus on with those type of athletes. Yeah,
2: Dr. Verde, I would expect you see a lot of young dancers and gymnasts as well that end up with different types of uh, injuries to their foot.
8: Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Um, Orlando Ballet is here, so I right. do see some students of dance. And, um, yeah, they definitely have their own of injuries and problems with their feet. And what's great about people who participate in sports is they're very motivated to get back. So I try to work with their function and getting them back to the activities that they love.
3: Great. Now, you and I have been in practice about the same amount of time, and Mm -hmm. we can shift away a little bit from the specifics of, of the techniques and some of the diagnosis that you deal with. But what about you've been in here in Orlando and I'm sure you've seen a lot of changes and we're always interested to hear other opinions of, you know, what types of changes you've seen, you know, what what are great, what are frustrating, that kind of thing. And kind of let you kind of free free the you know yourself of uh, of those thoughts and we can <laughs> have that conversation.
8: Well, let's see. I went to undergraduate school at UCF, and so that's an exciting thing for me to see the way that UCF has grown and Absolutely. now has a medical school. Yep. So I'm seeing a lot more students that are interested in medicine and, in particular, interested in podiatry. Right. So I do get some students that rotate through my office, and, you know, I get a chance to actually teach now, which that's exciting. And, um,. Oh, things that are frustrating, electronic health records. I oh, my gosh, every, that's my favorite. <laughs> I think every doctor that's complains right. about how much they have to do with charting and data entry. So that's a challenge, but, you know, also sort of a necessary evil.
3: <laughs> that's very kind of um, you to say, but uh, yeah. we, well, that's a whole other topic. <laughs>
8: yes. Yeah.
2: Dr. Um, Verdi. do most insurances that? cover your services?
8: They do. So, yes, this is a medically covered service. Um, I would encourage anybody that's interested in coming to see me to call their insurance and find out what is covered through their plan and if there's anything that is maybe a copay or deductible or out of network benefit. Um, We also accept um, self-pay at Affordable Options.
3: Great. What, I mean, for our listeners, specifically for their foot care with uh, some of our more senior folks here in, in the Orlando, Central Florida area, are there any specific pieces of advice you'd give them to, to uh, not necessarily stay out of your office, but know when do they need to come in or, <laughs> or, or what they can do to to stay more, more healthy?
8: So I do think that most people will try some of the over-the-counter products that are available for foot care. Um, and... There are a good number of people that accept foot pain as part of their life. So the advice that I would give is to not ignore foot pain. It's not normal. You know, there are remedies for it. And if what you're doing at home isn't working, then certainly come see a specialist, you know, to try to alleviate that problem. Um, Another piece of advice I would offer is where is the, proper foot gear for the activities that you're going to do so for example if you're a tennis player wear tennis shoes if you're planning on moving furniture don't wear flip-flops <laughs> so, good,
3: good great um, advice
8: yeah prevention is definitely key
3: well there are a lot of products out there and i'm sure that it's challenging you know kind of delay of care products i'd like to say but uh, you know, there's so many, so many different ones, and I do have a lot of exposure to some of the young athletes. And to your point, you know, they they're really good at ignoring things and wearing whatever shoe they have. I've got uh, I've got four four boys and a girl, and they've all all currently active athletes, or were when they were a little younger. And trying to get them in the right gear for the right stuff was was very important. They wear stuff that I couldn't put on for five minutes, and they probably should they shouldn't have either, right?
8: Right. And I think women in particular will choose stylish footwear over comfortable footwear. So, you know, that's a lesson we all have to learn.
3: Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha.
2: Dr. Verdi, how important is the choice of shoes to foot care? Do you advise your patients in that area as well?
8: I do. And I do get patients that will ask me, you know, what brand of shoe should I wear? And it's not one brand that across the board is going to solve all foot problems. It's really going to be dependent on what they're doing in that shoe and also, you know, what kind of function they have when they're walking or moving or, you know, participating in activities. So it's really kind of patient dependent on what I recommend.
3: Okay, great, well, I think there's a lot of the uh shoe experts quote unquote will will sit people down, and there are definitely places in town that uh, as soon as they have advertising on the uh on the site here, we'll talk about them but they they've got some pretty knowledgeable folks and they've got to be helpful
1: dr Birdie yes, definitely are. dr. Birdie, It's John again. um how can our audience reach you?
8: So I am located in Longwood, our office number is four oh seven. We're on Facebook and we also have a website, verdepodiatry.com. So you can book online or you can call us at the office.
1: Wow, great information. Um, Lots of information, in fact. Please reach out with your questions to 407 701 7424 or email healthcarenow.com at OrlandoMedicalNews.com. Funny story, last week we had one of our guest speakers after the show ended actually received uh, calls to Orlando Medical News on how to get in <laughs> touch with the doctor. So um, please, if you have questions for Dr. Verdi, give us a call.
3: Yep, and we did pass that information on, right, John? So Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being with
2: us this morning. Yeah, we wish you
8: the Thank best, you.
3: Dr.
2: Verde. Thank you so
3: much. Thank
8: you. Okay. bye
4: Orlando Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at OrlandoMedicalNews.com or give us a call at 407 701 7424. The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us, IPNetworkFlorida.com.
0: Improve patient outcomes valuable, Improve chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, medication management, all without increasing practice workload or expenses. Rx2Live provides a turnkey solution. Interested? Rx2Live.com or call John Fogarty 609-605-6859. That's 609-605-6859.
4: Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at OrlandoMedicalNews.com or give us a call at 407 701 7424.
3: In just eight seconds, healthy sole UVC kills up to 99.99% of the pathogens on the soles of shoes. HealthySole.com. Smart prevention, fewer pathogens, healthy soul.
5: Mark Cheyot, MD, practicing pediatric surgeon since 1997, working with Central Florida's premier hospital systems and outpatient surgery centers, providing unparalleled patient care and leveraging the latest in medical, technology, and education, accepting all major insurance. 407 228 or seven seven four or visit Orlando Pediatric Looking for affordable or professional video differentiating your business from competitors?
6: Brand improving online presence about me or professional videos. Sakatafilms.com 407-860-3035.
7: Concerned about COVID-19, MRSA, Candida, C-Diff, and more? Healthcare systems across the U.S. Trust Curis disinfection systems to protect patients and staff. Curis delivers high-level disinfection products for hospitals, surgical centers, clinics, physicians' offices, and dental suites. Curis means disinfection. Go to CurisSystem.com, C-U-R-I-S-S-Y-S-T-E-M, or 1-800-928-8708.
1: Well, we've got your answer to navigating the healthcare world. Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. COVID 19, its challenges, and isolation have impacted every demographic of the U.S. population. The senior elder population has been impacted especially hard. April Boykin is joining this morning to share information about this challenge. April is a licensed clinical social worker who has practiced in Central Florida for more than 28 years in both the nonprofit and healthcare industry. She is a co-owner of Counseling Resource Services, Inc., a community-integrated behavioral health agency serving adults, the elderly, and disabled, as well as caregivers and their families. April and her team are committed to helping everyone achieve wellness and a better quality of life, whether you are sorting out a relationship, facing challenges of being a caregiver, breaking the grip of addiction, recovering from trauma, coming to terms with mental illness, dealing with chronic health issues, a new diagnosis, or just seeking personal growth. Counseling Resource Services is here to help. Good morning, April.
6: Hi, how are you?
1: Great. What is the prevalence of behavioral health issues for seniors?
6: So what research tells us is that there are about One in four um, people over the age of 55 have a diagnosed condition. But when we think about people we know, how many people do we know that seem anxious or depressed and have never been diagnosed? So we know that, you know, 25 percent is an underestimate. And then when you add the pandemic on top and what we know about that, which is that people who are diagnosed with COVID have a higher likelihood of being diagnosed with a mental illness within three months after, after they have recuperated. So it is very prevalent and it is very underdiagnosed. And it shows up as a comorbid condition to all sorts of health conditions like diabetes, autoimmune, heart disease, lung disease. So we could go on and on. But any health condition that creates an ongoing stress on your body and your family and your well-being, can create depression and anxiety
3: well, those stressors, and of course you know we'll probably talk a lot about covid as, as we have been in the in all of our uh, spots, but these stressors, what are the unique stressors you focus on elder care? Um, what are the unique stressors that we should we should be aware of
6: so life changes as you age, and sometimes you 're in the middle you 're the sandwich generation mm-hmm. you 're taking care of your parent who 's twenty twenty five years older than you. Um, while you're having changing health conditions, and you're also ta- you know, dealing with your teenagers. And so that is a unique stressor that is creating higher levels of depression and anxiety. Um, you also have changes because you're not allowed to drive anymore. That is a huge stressor yes. and a huge change in life. And then the changes that come from a loss of socialization. So when you're working, even if they aren't people you hang out with and after work, you've spent... A day with them interacting, and so, so you see a huge change in socialization and connections when you retire if you don't replace that with something else. The same with relocating and the same with you know moving into a new house or moving into your children's homes. All of those stressors are very unique, and it can't leave out fixed income. So when people stop working or they, they change in lifestyle, leaves them on a fixed income, it is a huge adjustment for many people that causes a tremendous amount of stress and ability to, to know how to deal with that differently.
2: Yeah, you know, April, we, uh, <clears throat> many <coughs> excuse me of our children now are taking care of elderly parents. And it's becoming even more prevalent as the baby boomer generation continues to increase. Absolutely. So, And and I will tell you, for the last eight years of my dad's life, who lived to be 93, he lived with my wife and I. And we gradually saw that decline in cognitive as well as dementia. So how much of this are you seeing today, and and how can you help?
6: Well, it is very very frequent that we see that type of um, living together situation. And and so I, the biggest thing I'll say about that is it's important to get help because oftentimes we overextend ourselves as caregivers. And when we overextend ourselves, oftentimes it's out of guilt or a commitment that we've made that we'll never place you in a nursing home or we'll never place you. And oftentimes we burn out caregivers. And it's it's unrealistic. In this day and age, when there are services that are available, it's important that when we take on being a caregiver, that we're realistic about what we're able to do and not able to do, and that we reach out for help so that we don't burn ourselves out, so that we don't have the longevity in life that they did.
3: I mean, that's a, that's a difficult message for people to really digest and act on. Are there cues there that let's say, let's say the same scenario um, with a parent, elderly parent in the house, and you're a full time parent of your own children, but you're taking care of this loved one? Are there cues that 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 would really light, you know, set off a light that says, "I I do need to talk to somebody."
6: Absolutely. And so, what I'll say is, of all the patients that are diagnosed with mental illness, only about three percent ever make it to a mental health counselor. Three
3: percent. Three percent.
6: 50%, 50%, a little more than 50% are served by their primary care physician yep. mm-hmm. and the rest go without any type of intervention at all. Wow. And so it is so important we don't wait until the floor has dropped out, which is typically what people do. They wait until they're a puddle until crisis. they're in crisis mm-hmm. till there's they don't have any resources left. And so it's important to notice in ourselves and and the people that we love, the people that we care for are they having a change in eating and sleeping habits? Are they more fatigued? Are they irritable? Do they lack hope and optimism, right? Have they stopped laughing? Have they stopped talking? Have they stopped? I don't want to go. I don't feel like getting dressed. I don't feel like putting, you know, doing my hair. Have they changed how they're interacting with the world? Um, Are they having thoughts or behaviors that are unusual, that you don't know why it's happening and it's, it's confusing to you? And then usually they'll cover it up, right? They'll, right, right. oh, never mind, never <laughs> mind, right? If they're not performing their ADLs, if they're not doing things that they normally would have done, um, if they're hopeless and sad, if you hear the world would be better off without me, that kind of passive suicidal yeah. ideation, right. oh, right. I don't know what I'm here for, those kind of passive things, those are all indicators that someone needs support. And it's important to... People don't have to have a diagnosis. They can just get help because they're feeling out of sorts. Right.
3: And I think the the caregiver in this case probably has some feelings that trigger that they're not recognizing either, right? I mean, they can observe what the parent is doing, but, but what are they seeing in themselves that in retrospect, they're like, yeah, I really should have
6: reached out if they feel burned out yeah they it's like when you're when you're thirsty you're already dehydrated when you feel burned Mm -hmm. out you've missed the mark come on and get some help you needed to get help earlier that
2: makes sense i would expect the anxiety of a caregiver in dealing with these uh elderly people is puts quite a stress on the entire
6: family it absolutely does and i will tell you anxiety is one of the most under Recognized symptoms in all of us because it looks like worry and it looks like stress. And so instead of learning coping skills to deal with that, we accept it as part of life. Oh, well, it's just anxiety. It's just worry. I have to do that. And so what happens when you no longer have, when you're working and you're no longer working or you're no longer parenting, you don't have any place for that. And it is all internalized and it creates all sorts of physiological symptoms. But caregivers' constant level of stress can create long-term health problems for them, can create um, marital and family issues. So it's huge and should be addressed on all levels.
3: I I think everything that you've brought up is so very relatable. Uh, I think a lot of the listeners may not understand what the process is. So let's say they do take that first step and connect with you what what does that look like
6: okay so if you are to give us a call we will connect you with a therapist in your area we do both in home and telehealth sessions currently in Orange, Osceola, Seminole, and Lake Counties. And what we start with is a screening process. We ask questions. And so a lot of people are worried that, oh, I'll have to tell you everything about me. That's not how it works. We meet you where you are. And if what you want to learn to do is cope with the stress that you're dealing with, we start there. We don't make you go backwards if that's not going to serve you. And so it's very self-directed in that way. We are a Medicare-covered service. I was and, just
2: going to ask you that. Yeah,
6: we're a Medicare-covered service. And um, the Affordable Care Act changed that so that co-pays are also covered by each of the, adva- or the advantage plans or the um, supplement insurance. So it's covered. We Price. don't need a doctor's order. We don't oh, wow. know doctor's order. it is a we're a part B biller. We can be in there when hospice is in there, when home health is in there. We don't need a homebound status, so we're real easy. You can just mm-hmm. give us a call
3: and i'm I'm imagining that you see just a whole spectrum of individuals they see that some that probably haven't been treated or recognize that they have significant dementia versus those that maybe just need a a little you know more conversational ability based therapy.
6: It can be from grief and loss, right? A lot of people think it's grief and loss. I don't have to. That's normal. But Mm -hmm. 50% of people at the end of a year have major depression. And so grief and loss can have assistance. So anxiety, depression, grief and loss transitions to a new living facility, all the way to chronic mental illness, and everything in between is what we can help with.
3: Fantastic.
1: Excellent. April, how can our audience get a hold of you?
6: You can go to our website, which is www.counselingresourceservices.com, or you can give us a call at 407 654
1: You want to repeat that again for our audience?
6: 407 654
1: Thank you very much, April. S- such good content for our audience. Oh, that's great.
6: Thank you for having me.
1: Again, I really want to uh, encourage our caregivers and their spouses and our seniors. uh, If you've got a challenge, reach out to April. Um, Also, this show is for you. So if you have a question, um, we only have one line open. uh, But call in 407-701-7424 or email healthcarenow at orlandomedicalnews.com. Thank you, April. Thanks Thank you. Thanks, thanks a lot.
3: No, thanks thanks for what you do. It's great. Thank you. In just eight seconds, Healthy Soul UVC kills up to 99.99% of the pathogens on the soles of shoes. Healthy S-O-L-E dot com. Smart prevention, fewer pathogens, Healthy Soul.
4: The Integrated Independent Physicians Network, preserving and protecting the independent practice of medicine since 2015. Join the movement with us. IPNetworkFlorida.com.
0: COVID 19 impacting your practice? Patients' visits down? Elective procedures pushed out? Rx2Live provides a turnkey solution. Chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, medication management, Behavioral Health Screenings. Interested? rxtolive.com. Better yet, call John Fogarty, 609-605-6859. 609-605-6859. Orlando
4: Medical News, Central Florida's primary choice for professional healthcare news since 2005. Interested? Check out our website at orlandomedicalnews.com or give us a call at 407-701-7424.
2: Are you concerned about healthcare skyrocketing expenses? Monthly premiums approaching $2,000? Out of pocket expenses up 50% the past 10 years? Introducing Healthcare Now, the truth about U.S. healthcare. Join the discussion, 7 to 8 a.m. Saturday mornings on AM 950 and FM 94.9. Co hosted by IPN's Mark Chayette and Larry Jones, and Orlando Medical News' John Kelly.
7: Concerned about COVID 19, MRSA, Candida, diff, and more? Healthcare systems across the U.S. trust Curis disinfection systems to protect patients and staff. Curis delivers high level disinfection products for hospitals, surgical centers, clinics, physicians' offices, and dental suites. Curis means disinfection. Go to curisystem.com, C U R I S S Y S T E M, or 1 800 928 8708.
1: Welcome to Healthcare Now. Welcome back to Healthcare Now. Larry, one of the things that my editorial team or our editorial team at Medical News writes about all the time is facility fees and the advent of facility fees. Can you share with our audience just exactly what a facility fee is? And does an independent physician
2: charge a facility fee? That's a great question, John. Uh, we've studied this, and there's there was a recent study on six different hospital-based procedures during last year's time period, and 92% of C-sections and 97% of the cost of a knee replacement were accounted for due to hospital facility fees. And, you know, I get asked all the time, Dr. Mark, why is health care so expensive? And the impression is, when well, my insurance Company charges me too much money. Right,
3: right, <laughs> and yeah, and, I mean, we kind of chuckle about that. But at the end of the day, that's what the client feels, right? If you are paying, you know, fifteen hundred dollars a month to cover you and your spouse and a child or two, and then you have a six thousand dollar per year deductible, and you go to the hospital, and you know, you, you're writing these checks every month, and then you walk out owing money up to that six thousand dollars, and sometimes it's more, depending on the situations we've talked about in the past. That's all you see. Right. So it's right. it's kind of like if you if you went to the grocery store and we paid for our groceries in a different manner. The person who actually gets the money placed in their hand from you, you think that's that's who is at who's responsible. I don't want to say at fault who's right. responsible. Right. So why is healthcare so expensive? Uh, a lot of it is is liability coverages. Uh, a lot of it is developing new technologies, brick and mortar, and then then we go back to yep. but but brick and mortar, unlike the first two, that's an investment for a company, right? So that's right. something that that goes on their on their spreadsheet in a different way, and they they don't have the the liability actions. Uh, I would say that that we need to put money into evolving technology, however. A huge amount of that money, again, I'll say it again, is for liability coverage. And what, what am I talking about? They're talking about being these companies being sued as they're trying to develop right. things, malpractice, we, malpractice. Yep. Yep. Well, and, and and even for the even for the tech companies that yep. are trying to develop things. So that that's a big issue. Um, there I'm was saying, a recent
2: study that uh, in this same Alterum group that did a study in 2017 and found that administrative costs made up 34 percent. Of healthcare costs in the U.S., twice the percentage of Canada, which has a decentralized public-funded system.
3: Right, and we and we see this as we, we're doing this uh, money trail and the dis- discussion Dr. Martin had last last week when he talked about how things have changed since the 70s. So one of the things that he talked about changing is the administrative capacities and what the what the administration looked like, and. We can absolutely go back in time and see what the salaries are like. Now, here's here's the argument. We we really haven't talked about some of the high paying jobs that are in healthcare, uh, and specifically C suites, you know, CEOs, CEOs salaries, salaries in different groups. <clears throat> now, I I get it. You get a huge hospital system, a two billion dollar a year, ten billion dollar year, and and they're comparing their salaries to what. A private sector company, like IBM or some some other company, would be the making big pharma companies. Yeah, and so yeah. well, even let's let's yeah. stay completely away from healthcare because the the reason that physician salaries are are kept where they are, the reason that physicians aren't allowed to do other businesses or invest in things like, as a surgeon, I can't invest in a radiology group without very specific guidelines, is because. Uh, A gentleman named Stark uh,
2: from Stark and anti-kickback laws (laughs) laws
3: came out and said medicine is too personal to have someone be able to advise you about things and then take your money. And, you know, in his in his eyes, it should all be free anyway. But we sure need to make sure those darn doctors don't rip you off. And the reality is, I agree. Medicine is too personal because unlike almost everything else we do. When you need medicine, when you need health care, you didn't choose to make that happen. Right. Right. When you go out to dinner and buy a nice dinner, you you are involved in that. And you're saying this is what I want to do. This is how I want to spend my money. So it is it is personal. And those administrative fees should be different. They shouldn't be measured against private industry. They should be measured in their own way and say, you're right. Across the board, we need to control these costs. So it is more affordable.
2: Well, what's interesting is when they did this study in 17 and found that 34% of the health care costs were due to administrative, they also broke it out by Medicare and found out that the Medicare program had less than 7% administrative costs attached to it. Right. Because
3: there's no money, no extra money. That's So, right. so That's if there's right. not going if, if the money's not there to be spent, it doesn't get spent.
2: Well, the other thing that uh, if you remember, we talked about in a previous show it was found that private insurers pay as much as 250 percent of what Medicare pays for the same services in the hospital.
3: Right. And, and again, that goes to sitting down and negotiating things. The old idea of, you know, the the uh, the fat cats are going to pick up the bill for the for the ones that aren't paying as much. But think let's go back to what the profits are. And, and many of our hospitals are, quote unquote, nonprofit. But every year, when you're a nonprofit, make billions
2: then, of dollars. Yeah, I and mean, pay no taxes. And, on and it. as
3: a nonprofit, we can that's see right. that it's it's that's it's right, right out there in the open. So it's that's always another one of those uh, those conversations in the conference rooms and the and the waiting areas about what what's the what is a nonprofit yeah. exactly.
2: <clears throat> so how does the U.S. healthcare system rein in these facility fees if these numbers are accurate?
3: Well, I think we need to break down. A way to control liability cost. I think I, I, I'm getting a little repetitive on that, but I think that's a huge piece of it. And then administrative cost of you know what? T- how many individuals does it take in that chain to accomplish the goals that we need to accomplish to run this facility in a certain way? And how are they being compensated? Right. Because I mean, it's it's a known number. I mean, it's it's information that's out there, and we can see that you know if if people. Want to work in healthcare and they love healthcare as much as I love working in healthcare, then they're right. going to be the CEO of a big hospital and not expect to get paid like somebody that that works in private industry.
2: Today, our hospitals employ a third of our physicians in this country, but there's growing tension between the hospitals and these employed physicians, and I think there's been more options for physicians recently, uh, i.e., private equity startups, right. And these multi-specialty large groups right. forming out there. Right, so, right. what do you say to that, Doctor Mark?
3: Well, I don't know if you uh, follow in North Carolina. There's a, a hospital uh, called Mission. It's a hospital system called Mission. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, the biggest hospital is in Asheville. That was recently purchased by HCA. Uh, they had a good number of employed physicians. Uh, in one of their sister hospitals, they just had a large physician group walk out and, and basically say that we don't we don't want to be employed by which now HCA was mission, and so you're seeing that trend. I do not know how they get out. You know what their plan is, but the private equity uh, play is an interesting one, and we've touched on that yeah. before because you've got you've got investment groups. You now have the free market coming in and really evaluating what the value of a practice is, and if they have enough clout, they can negotiate contracts. That are right. better with right. the insurance companies and therefore really trim the fat on some of the administrative sure. costs and say, like, even if even for take my practice, for instance, if mm-hmm. a private equity group came in, they'd look at the number of procedures I did and then they'd have a third party look at what my billings were. Now, they can't look at it directly yeah. and they would turn around and say, well, you know what, if you do exactly what you did this year, you're going to make 25 percent more if you work with us.
2: Yeah. You know, you talk about the venture capital groups. There was an announcement just this past week that Cigna announced that they were buying MD Live, Mm -hmm. which is the largest telehealth company in America. And now we have a major insurance company purchasing the largest telehealth company in the U.S. What does that say?
3: I mean, we've got some strange bedfellows. I mean, we've got got insurance companies buying pharmacies and we've got... (laughs) pharmacies you know, expanding I mean we it's just about incredible. That, yeah. Uh and these, these are business models. I'll, I'll say this though, free market, okay Absolutely. these are our business decisions that you sort of hope make sense, even though they don't mm-hmm. really make sense to us right away. Um, you do start to worry a little bit about control. Um, I think you know most most of us in healthcare don't feel as though insurance companies are our best friends on the other hand without them we'd be kind of we would be a freak. lost. so so i mean i'm i'm a i'm an optimist when it comes to these kinds of decisions i think that it's uh, it makes better sense uh than the healthcare administrators trying to reinvent the wheel the way that it might work out mm-hmm. best for the healthcare administrators
2: Sure. And, and keep talking about uh this equity money pouring into healthcare so with this cigna announcement of md live what does that say about the future of tele telemedicine and it's estimated today that 30 percent of all patient visits daily are now telehealth.
3: Yeah, no, it's your capital gonna
2: money yeah. and mergers are pouring into this yeah. industry.
3: No, a- absolutely. I mean, it's it's going to it's going to be a big push, you know, with with people uh, staying at home with covid, uh, with the changes in rules on, on actually getting reimbursed for telemedicine visits, uh, specifically here in Florida. It's absolutely going to grow, and people are going to realize. And I I, this I had a conversation in the office just yesterday. I had a patient come over to see me from Tampa, and Mm -hmm. so I was like, okay, well, your total number of visits is probably only going to be three, and I can do two of them on telemedicine. Telemedicine, right? So that saves them time. And I mean, I think it's. I don't think it's absolutely going to grow, and it's going to be in other industries as well.
2: You know, I know we're running close to closing time, but uh, I just want to let our audience know that uh, we're going to continue this discussion. Absolutely. Lots to talk about. But also, next week, we're going to talk about who is targeted to run our national health care programs under the Biden administration. Yeah, I wish we had time for that now. I wish we did, too. But uh, we're going to talk about all that next week. John? But, Larry, our backs
1: are up against (laughs) the wall. I I want to thank um, my co-host, Dr. Mark, with Pediatric Surgery PA, and Larry Jones with Integrated Independent Physicians Network, the knowledge you're sharing and the questions I have for you. But we're running out of time. I need to recognize our sponsor today. It's uh, Nick DiOrio with Healthy Soul. Nick, we couldn't do this without you, and what a great uh, decontamination product for uh, physician's shoes and, and anyone's home. Our advertising partners who make this conversation possible also, Diana Sacato with Saccato Films, John Fogarty, with rx to live Francis Grindstone with Curis Decontamination Systems, one of our new advertising partners, Raul Alvarez with CVRX, and myself, John Kelly, with the Orlando Medical News. A lot to talk about next week, but Larry, can you share a
2: final thought? Sure. You know, we'll continue to discuss and, and have a conversation on educating healthcare consumers, and I always like to leave you with the greatest gift you can give your family in the world is a healthy you. See you next week.
3: Thanks guys.
0: You feel better now? We hope you do. Join us again next week for Healthcare Now. For a
1: podcast
6: of this program, go to theanswerorlando.com.